0: They were there when history was made.
1: Five seconds left in the game. Over. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Inside the 20! Touchdown! A rack tour is a storyteller. Welcome to the Sports rack And with two out, you talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! The, one team at the,
0: the sports
1: tours dust off the great American art of storytelling. From the players, coaches, media, the people who were there. There's Courts in the right down the line. It may go.
0: Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run.
1: Go crazy. Now, here's Steven Maggie. Welcome to Sports Rockin' Tours, a show that presents the observations, recollections, and memories of a select group of storytellers who represent the past half-century or so of American sports. It all started in the world of minor league hockey. From there, he climbed the ladder of success, which included stops in the World Hockey Association, the National Hockey League, and even the World Football League. From there, he set his sights on Hollywood. Hollywood. You could make Howard Baldwin's story into a movie. Unbelievable rags to riches starts in the ticket office of the Eastern Hockey League, goes to the pros, does incredible things there, ultimately goes to Hollywood, and makes really the greatest sports movie, I think, of all time, Hoosiers. <laughs> you were the true entrepreneur, right? Right from the start, Howard. Uh, right from the start,
0: yep. And didn't come in the front door in a lot of places. Came in, the I don't know if you call it the back door, but the side door. And also on Hoosiers, we were a small part of it, you're very kind, but really the people that should get credit for Hoosiers are David Ansbach and Angelo Pizzo, who were brilliant in writing and directing it. We were part of the development, and uh, very proud of it, don't get me
1: wrong. You're a humble guy this all came a, a great negotiator and your wife says this was goes back to when you were in the marines right where you have to get through and people are yelling at you you can't yell back you got to figure out how to <laughs> how to negotiate your way do you think that was important to your uh,
0: well story? you always test yourself and i always liked doing that and yeah that my wife is right that experience when i got off that train in the MSC, south carolina and i thought hmm, this is the first time I can't call home saying I'm homesick, get me out of here. (laughs) So you just just do it and get through it and do your best. And so, yeah, it was a good life lesson.
1: So you start off in a ticket office in the Eastern Hockey League. Now minor league hockey is a big thing people like it It, it's popular in places but back then our whole connection with minor league hockey was that movie Slapshot Uh, was it anything like that back then what what was life like in the EHL
0: it was just as crazy if not crazier than the movie Um, and I when the EHL worked for the Jersey Devils I was what they call operations manager which means tickets PR I even coached the team for a week I drove the bus (laughs) <laughs> Once in a while, if I look back on that year, it's probably one of my most favorite years in hockey. Uh, and then I went to the ticket office of the Flyers. But the EHL then was was a wild and woolly league. I remember the first exhibition game, and I came from a bit of a col— not college, but prep school— background. So fighting was unheard of, and I'm counting the tickets. <laughs> And I hear this screaming out in the arena, and I said, oh my God, somebody's hurt, and you go out and every player's on the ice, half the fans are on the ice, they're throwing chairs. And I said, this is gonna be a very interesting year, and it
1: was. And what a great way to learn the sport, really, by doing yeah. everything, that kinda helped you the whole way through.
0: You know, it sure did. I mean, they were 1-6 owned by the Flyers, and the Flyers group, Ed Snyder, Bill Putnam, Bud Boyle, those guys, were terrific to me, and they brought me over there. And I look upon those four or five years down there, whether it be with the Devils or the Flyers, as my college education, so to speak. It was it was an extraordinarily good uh, experience.
1: Well, when you were with the Flyers, that was right in the beginning where the NHL doubled. What was that like? That, that has to be a big deal for those fans there to all of a sudden we're in the big, big time.
0: You know, you went from six to 12 teams, and really Philadelphia... It was lukewarm when they started, and, and Ed Snyder, Joe Scott, Putnam, everybody, myself—we—that was really good old-fashioned marketing. I mean, the first box office statement was hanging in Ed's office for years, and it was because it was signed by me. I uh, was a ticket manager, and the gross gate was thirteen thousand dollars. That might get you one on-ice ticket for one game now. So, you know, the whole year, I don't know that we did a million dollars in ticket sales. So, you know, people think it's instantaneous success. It's not at all. It's hard, hard work. And. The Flyers, the Penguins, Minnesota, all those teams had to work hard to get to where it looks like today.
1: Well, we're going to talk about all those because you were involved with all those. But I'm particularly familiar. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and was a huge Seals fan, which, was, believe me, was difficult. So the Seals leave, and I'm like, oh, my God, no hockey. And thank God you helped uh, the San Jose Sharks. And I remember at the time, nobody thought that was going to work. It ended up being a big success. A big
0: success, yeah. That was probably the one deal we really regretted not being able to do and be a part of because, you know, we did the deal. If you look at the paperwork, you can't deny it. We're the first owners, technically. And we, my wife and I, really were excited about that because it was close to LA. She could do, she could keep doing what she was doing, which was the acting. And we could run the team, I could run the team, and, and it would have really worked out great. But we ended up doing that trade with Minnesota, yeah. <laughs> it a, kind of a crazy deal. And it worked out great for San Jose. Tom McHenry there, who was the mayor, fabulous guy, uh, and, and they've they've done very well there.
1: Let's go back to your days in New England. I think this is interesting. You go to the WHA. Now, first of all, was it kind of a gamble in your mind? Because the WHA got off to a good start, but you're still going up against a lot of history in the NHL.
0: Well, remember, we got into the league uh, as an original franchise. Um, So we were one of the 12 original franchises. And as I always tell people, we went into the belly of the beast, which is Boston, where right then, in the early 70s, was at its peak of popularity, and people thought we were nuts, and we probably were, but... You know, I was 28. My partner was 29. And we figured, <laughs> you don't have any nerves when you're that age.
1: Oh yeah. Well, and, the WHA was was kind of gutsy though. I mean, they were signing people, Bobby Hull. So that that kind of you were with fellow entrepreneurs that were in this uh, to to win.
0: Everybody in that league had a spirit and had a point to prove. Whether you're somebody like myself or uh, the players or some executives, because really most of the players were players that frankly had a point to prove, I mean, including Hull. I mean, Bobby was upset with the Hawks, and they just figured, you know, they treated the WHA with utter disdain, and enough guys in the WHA got together and came up with a million-dollar cash for his signing bonus, and we were off and running. You know, a whole seven years was a wild ride, but
1: but you were yeah. a founding partner at age 28. I mean, we mm-hmm. all have fantasies of owning a team, but 28 seems uh, rather ambitious. How do you do something like that?
0: I, I don't really know. <laughs> we just did it. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> you know, when you get a feeling in your gut, this this is a good – it just seems like you're in the right place at the right time. I mean, my – family thought I was not leaving the Flyers, which is what I did. I loved the Flyers, but I just knew in order to take the steps that I wanted to take with my life, I had to strike out and, um, you know, right. put my feet into the fire and see what the heck happens. And with the Whalers, it was great because, we, you know, we got people like Jack Kelly and some wonderful people that made it work.
1: So you you do all this stuff. It's everybody's fantasy. And then you take a second place, Hollywood, which is the other fantasy. What made you think, first of all, that, wow, I could do this in the sports world. I think I can do it in the movie business as well.
0: I mean, I really did not know anything about the movie business until it, it got made. Called, it was a movie called Flight of the Navigator, a Disney film. And then we did another one you know, a little bit on, we were part of Hoosiers. And then we, and really the first one we took all the way through was from the hip David's movie. And it went from there. And and then, you know, uh, with my wife who was wanting to act, and we had the production company out here. So when the Whalers were sold in 88, we moved out here. Here we are today. We've done about 40 movies.
1: What would you tell somebody that has an interest? Because everybody wants to go to Hollywood. Everybody's got a script in them or or want to be an actor. But you got to go in with your eyes open, right? I mean, it's a tough haul.
0: It's what I tell anybody that goes into anything, don't ever get discouraged. Perseverance, perseverance, and realize whether you're a writer or an actor, you're going to get 97% no's. But if you have the passion and the belief that something is good and worth doing, you stick with it.
1: Well, you're a big part of the entertainment business, always have been. So tell us, what's it like working with these actors we all know, celebrity, as opposed to the big uh, stars of the world of hockey? I mean, <laughs> is, there, is, is it the same type of ego, more or less? What do you think?
0: Yeah, but, you know, it's it's weird because we've, we've always gotten along with pretty much everybody we've worked with, whether it be an actor or or an athlete, because, you know, we don't go around thinking we're better than them or not as good as them we just treat them like equals and so we tend to get along with people and it's really important and there are times when you can get a little ticked off and and have to have a i don't know you call it a confrontation but let's call it a sit down and you do it but by and large i think the actors are really good guys and gals and same with the athletes they have a particular skill set and I did always say to a couple of hockey players that we had when some of them would be grousing about their lot in life. You know what I mean when I say that? Right. (laughs) Oh, woe is me. Why isn't the dental plan better? There's a couple of times I did take those players out and just say, now, I want you to hear what I'm saying. You're 28 years old. You're making a few hundred thousand dollars a year because you were given a gift and that gift is a skill set that enables you to earn this kind of money this early in your life. Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it and know that, uh, you know, in some at some point it'll be over, and then you've got to do what the rest of us stiffs have to do is go to work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's kind of a team thing where you don't think you're better, you don't think you're inferior. It's like, hey, we're trying to get something done. We're all on the same page. And I think people respond to that. Do you find that, that they just kind of respond? 100%. To-
0: Hundred percent. The worst thing you can do is talk down to people, and I don't care who it is. Try to treat people as a fellow human being, and we've always done that, my wife and I, and and it, which is to treat people the way we've wanted to be treated. And if they don't respond the right way, okay, that's their problem. You just say, well, I'm not going down this path again. Most people do. You know, we've had pretty good luck with relationships and. and and partners, and it hadn't always worked out, but most of the time,
1: yeah, it makes for a good atmosphere to work in, no question. I want to ask you about a couple of these movies. We talked a little about Hoosiers, and I know it wasn't you doing the whole thing, but when you when you got involved with that, did you see it? It's just like such a great movie. Could you feel it right away? And then, of course, the casting of Gene Hackman—I just it seems like a great. Well, film. the part,
0: yeah, you're right. The part we were involved with was the actual script. And what happened is a script came to us through our partner here in L.A. We read it and loved it, and we made a deal to do it. But we were going to raise the money to do it as an independent film. And then a studio came along and said to Angelo and David, look, we can put the money up now. Would the Baldwin group be willing to step aside, become a tiny, a small part of it, not tiny, a small part of it, And let us run with it. And, you know, then we felt you get a movie made. We liked Angelo. We liked David. Our attitude was go get it done. I I would say we were there for the building of the, the foundation but then the actual movie, I mean, getting Cat, Hackman and all, you got to give David and Angelo all the credit in the world.
1: You did another great sports involved with, in film, the, the Mystery Alaska. Yeah. That, uh, did the hockey stuff obviously come in handy? And how did you ever think of, you got Russell Crowe, and that was uh, in early in his career.
0: Uh. That's a fun story, Mystery Alaska, um, because we had lunch with David Kelly right here in LA, and just a social lunch, just, Shooting the breeze, and and uh, we we just said, wouldn't it be great to make a hockey movie that brings a sport back to the roots? You know where its origins. we were. We're playing on the pond with you know we're old timers now. You grow up playing on the lake or <clears throat> you know outdoors or whatever on the rivers. Really, David more than us came up with the concept of what the movie was. You know, so we said, let's do it. Wrote the script, David's script, a brilliant script, and. Got a director. We did the things that had to be done to get the movie made. Russell had just come off L.A. Confidential. So mm-hmm. he was right on the cusp. So we got him at the right time. You know, because I think you know what his career has been. Oh, yeah. And I love that movie. That's that's one of our favorite movies.
1: Thinking about you back into the, the ticket office days, all the way to the red carpet in Hollywood, and uh, Jamie Foxx wins an Oscar for Ray, <laughs> a great movie. What was that night like for you and your wife? Because I, I think that's got to be like the culmination of everything you'd done.
0: Well, it was surreal. It was really fun, obviously. And, and I can honestly tell you, we were there, and if we won, we'd have been thrilled. And we didn't win. We were just as thrilled being in that room, and we had the best time. It was kind of fun because we sat next to, right next to Adam Sandler and his wife. And Adam's a big hockey fan, and I wore my Whaler ring for good luck. Right, I never wear those rings; they're too big and they're too... I don't know, yeah. glitzky or whatever. But I wore. It. I said, "This'll bring us good luck." So you know, Best Picture comes in la- You know, it comes at the very end. So, yeah, we're chatting away throughout the whole thing, and he said, "My God, what a!" what a beautiful ring and we talked about it talked about the whalers and i told her i would just wearing this for good luck and then of course they announced the big <laughs> the best picture and it's a million dollar baby and so he, he sort of playfully hits me on the arm and he said a lot of good that ring did you that's
1: kind of cool but it was
0: a fun night it was a fun night. Yeah, who who couldn't get a charge out of that?
1: As we look at this incredible life and so forth, is producing sure. a movie kind of like running a sports franchise? Are, are there similarities or are there uh, we we already mentioned working with the, with the with the celebrities and the people out on the field and all that sort of thing, but is 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 it kind of the same thing? Sort of.
0: Here's what's interesting about a movie. You you put it together if you're fortunate enough to do so and only about percent of them get made but you put it together and the experience is rather intense from the beginning to the end okay Mm -hmm. and everybody bonds and it's like a very intense hockey season or basketball whatever your sport is and then it's over and the crew goes their way, and the cast goes their way, and the director and the producers, everybody goes their separate ways. It's, it's a little more permanent with hockey. You may have a team that stays together, four, five, six, the core of the team may stay together. So it's a more lasting experience. Interestingly enough, we've, you know, the movies we've done, we could do a movie, and there'd be part of the crew, and the movie will end, everybody scatters, and then Ten years later, you might see an actor, and it's like you just saw them yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> you see <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah. it's 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 interesting and and I always tell people in a film your producer is your your producer is really your president g m your coach is your director, and the actors are your players that kind of a thing there is a there is a similarity in that way.
1: People ask uh, all the time, well, I've got this great script. I just don't know how to get it to somebody. It's so great. Is it better to go find, like, some celebrity's maid or gardener or something of that nature and hand them the script to get it to somebody? Or, you know, because just mailing it in seems like a really, really long shot.
0: Yeah. I mean, everybody, like we you said to me in the beginning, at. Everybody has one in their closet, okay? So pe- people don't understand that in order to succeed in this town as a producer or, or a writer, you really got to immerse yourself in it. It isn't just dropping a script in the mail and, and saying, I hope I can get it made. And usually, you really want to get the script to somebody that an actor is great, but then they're going to want a director, and then they're going to want this and that. So you got to, you've really, if, you, if you're really sincere about it, You have to get out here and and get into the community and pay your dues and put the script into circulation the right way by trying to get an agent or a manager or a producer that you may have as a friend that knows how to take it to the next level.
1: Well, that's great advice, and I mean it's kind of what Sylvester Stallone did with Rocky. He thought it sure. was there, and you just keep get, you keep polishing it, and sooner or later, you might get that shot. So it's certainly worth the opportunity.
0: He's a great example, and and we know him, and he's a terrific guy, and he's not afraid of hard work and you know what he did is exactly what has to be done and he did it and he had the courage of his convictions and look at him now
1: incredible well Howard Baldwin what a great conversation what a life you've had what is what's next for you do you have anything coming up in the near future
0: yeah we're we're developing we've got a lot now we've got a few shows set up we're actually for your sports audience where we are doing one script on uh, what we're calling hockey night in Harlem which is a—it's really a Black Mighty Ducks. It's great fun. And then another television series we're developing, which is, a, which is about the creation of the ABA and the, um, uh, the WHA and the WFL. We have, a, we have a lot right now. We're very, very busy right now, which is good.
1: Well, we'll keep an eye on it, and hopefully we can have you talk about it when it's ready to be released. So,
0: <laughs> Anytime you give me a call. It's such a pleasure to be on your
1: show. Go to the Vegas Never Sleeps website and check out the Sports Rockin' Tour page. There you can hear bonus content from this conversation, plus a number of other great sports stories. And don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening today. This is Steven Manchin. Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Or more at elearning.epsilonxr.com.